Hey everyone, welcome back to Southern Fried Storytime. Today's little shorty is going to be the Gingerbread Man. Some of you may have heard the story as the Pancake as well. It's it's kind of a story that has crossed over most of Europe, but it what kind of food item it is tends to be the main thing that changes from country to country. Still, most of the basic story beats are the same. And so we start with a lonely little old lady who is making cookies in her in her kitchen one day. And she's kind of sad because all of the other old ladies at church have kids and grandkids and all of that stuff. And she's, she's feeling a bit sorry for herself. So instead of making her ginger snaps into little round ginger snap shapes, she makes her ginger snaps into the shape of a little boy. Part of the way through baking the cookie while it's in the oven and you know becoming a crisp delightful treat the cookie begins to scream now right here guys is where i would be out like nope i don't want anything to do with that just just crank up that oven and and then you know take those cookies to church later and have the priest take a look at them something like that but this little old lady a lot nicer than me or a lot less afraid of demons and decides to open the oven to rescue the poor screaming cookie that's in pain bad idea man just telling you you don't save demons anyway she opens the oven and the cookie bursts out and seeing all of the ingredients on the table he knows that she must be a cannibal and she's planning to eat him to be fair she was planning to eat him he is a cookie but once she sees that he's a boy, she doesn't want to do that anymore. So he runs out the front door thinking he's running away from some crazy giant cannibal woman. And the woman screams, calling him her son. Please come back, my son. I'll help you. I'll take care of you. No, no, he, he's, he's beating it, getting out of there. He's now convinced that she's a crazy cannibal lady who wants to eat him. So he's running because he doesn't want to be eaten. And he's a delicious cookie. So being eaten is basically his destiny, though he doesn't know it yet. He runs and runs and wanders onto a farm where a man and a little boy try to kill him for being a demon-possessed cookie. And uh, as he runs away, he taunts them. Run, run, run as fast as you can. You can't catch me. I'm the gingerbread man. And there is... Oh my gosh, there are so many variations of the rhyme that he shouts to taunt his... his uh, would-be captors as he makes his escape. But to me, that's my favorite. I just think the rhyme flows better than most of the other ones. But that could just be me and my personal preference. But he he has a different, uh, different taunt depending on what country you're in. And that could just be a translation issue or it could just be, you know, different cultural preferences as far as rhyming goes. Next, he runs into town where, of course, everybody he meets wants to eat him. If you've ever smelled gingerbread cookies baking, like most of us, when we see gingerbread cookies, it tends to be around Christmas time and they've sat in a tin for a little while and they're the, basically these brown, hard, dry cookies. But if you've ever smelled them actually baking and had them like hot and soft right out of the oven... I can understand why people are crowding around this guy, right? Especially in a time in history where sugar and sweets and pastries were scarce and they were kind of luxury items. Let's just say that while these cook, they are heavenly. And while they're hot, they smell heavenly. And it would, it would draw a crowd. So people are coming up and trying to eat this demon cookie. 
and he just wants to escape. He doesn't want to be eaten. Eventually, he runs through towns again, shouting his ta taunt, You can't catch me. I'm the gingerbread man. Eventually, he tries to hide in the town stables, where, of course, the horses want to eat him. Horses love sweet things. So, you know, that's part of why they love apples and carrots and stuff so much. This is a rare natural source of sugar, something sweet in nature. And they are all about that. So the horses want to eat him, too. Luckily, they're in pens, so they have a little bit more of a struggle to get to him than he does to get away from them. He runs out past the horses and then towards a crowd of chickens. Chickens will eat just about anything, folks. Chickens are brutal. Like, they are savages. Chickens will eat other chickens. And so they're also trying to eat the gingerbread man, naturally. As I mentioned, while they're hot and baking, and he, since he's just come out of the oven, he'd probably still be in that state, the smell is just fantastic, just all of the spices and stuff. He would smell darn near irresistible, and the reaction of everything around him makes that pretty clear. So he's still being pursued by the townspeople. He ends up jumping into a pig pen. Naturally, the pigs try to eat him because, like chickens, pigs will eat just about anything. Pigs, chicken, and chickens, and goats are not picky creatures. They are omnivores, and they will eat anything. So he has to try and escape from the pigs. He jumps the fence to the pig pen and runs towards the forest. This is, again, in kind of medieval story times where a huge amount of these stories are about throwing caution upon the forest. People were not big fans of hanging out in the woods at the time where this story was popular. Lots of times because there were wolves and bears and dangerous creatures in there. And a lot of these stories were designed to kind of dissuade, especially children, from going out into the forest and getting hurt by such creatures or poisonous plants or you know all kinds of stuff, right? Which is true not just of the forest, but generally any wild, unsettled area. And so naturally we see him heading towards the forest. And it's at this point that the people, at least, and the farm animals kind of back off and let him be on his way. Because in this time in history, the forest was one of the most dangerous places you could go. I would personally contend that cities are usually more dangerous than wild animals, because they're wild areas, because at least with wild areas there's rules. But historically, people have been afraid of the forest. So that's where he kind of shakes most of his pursuers. He has a hard time navigating through the forest because he's a gingerbread man and, you know, a, a good-sized puddle could really take him out. But he manages to get along the roots and the trunks and stuff like that, and is just, just happy that he's not being pursued by people and farm animals that want to eat him anymore. By morning, he's wandered his way through the woods until he comes to a river. And that is where he has to stop because, again, as a food item made mostly of sugar and starches, He's going to dissolve pretty quickly if he gets too wet. So he finds himself trapped at this river. And he knows the only way to truly get away from everyone behind him is to cross the river and find himself in a totally different area, perhaps different community. He thinks it's just this group of townspeople that would be after him. Let's be real, dude. You're a cookie. People are going to want you wherever you go, even if you're some kind of weird, crazy demon cookie. But he happens to find exactly the wrong sort of character that you find in these classic fairy tales where animals talk. He runs into a fox. Foxes are beautiful and smart and funny. Foxes are also typically in fairy tales depicted as uh, 
they're kind of just always up to shenanigans. Like these, these are kind of rascally creatures. They are what is classically seen as a trickster character, like coyote in Native American folklore or Loki in more Scandinavian folklore or Norwegian folklore. These kind of creatures are always up to trouble. Anansi in African folklore was kind of a trickster. Maui in Polynesian folklore. Often they are, you have to catch them on a good day because sometimes they'll be on your side, sometimes not. It really depends on what's convenient for them. And as I'm sure you can guess while you're listening, what's convenient for Mr. Fox is eating that cookie. I mean, it's a cookie. How often does a fox get to have a cookie? So as a trickster, Fox is, is of course, a very intelligent, tricky, not entirely trustworthy sort of fellow. Again, he'll help you out when it's convenient for him. So the fox is the first person to not immediately attempt to eat the gingerbread man on sight, which is really good move on Fox's part because the gingerbread man at this point is a little gun shy about pretty much any living thing. And the fox tries to make friends with the gingerbread man and offers to let the gingerbread man ride his back as he crosses the river. This is a great deal for the gingerbread man, and he's really grateful to his new friend, this handsome, gorgeous fox. And he climbs on top of his back to get across the river so that he won't dissolve, but can also get away from this, this clearly hostile town where everybody wants to eat him. Nobody wants to hang out in a community of cannibals, right? It's a risky, risky choice. So he climbs on top of the fox's back, and the fox begins to swim. But as the water gets deeper and deeper, the fox begins to struggle swimming with the extra, you know, gargantuan weight of this gingerbread man on his back. So he asks the cookie to climb up to his head so that he's a little higher out of the water. The cookie agrees, and he, he does feel a little bit bad that his fox friend is having a greater burden to try and swim across this river carrying him. As they get even deeper, the fox has to tilt his head upwards to keep his mouth out of the water so that he can keep breathing. And he asks the gingerbread man to climb up onto his nose so that he'll be safe from the water. As soon as he's up on the fox's nose, though, he notices a dramatic shift. The fox no longer feels like he's struggling side to side to swim. In fact, he simply touches his feet down onto the ground and is able to walk pretty, pretty easily through the water. Just as the gingerbread man is realizing he's been fooled by the fox, the fox flips his nose up into the air and the gingerbread flies up into the air and is caught and eaten up by the fox. In some versions, even as he's being eaten by the fox, he does continue to taunt him. Oh, I'm only a quarter of the way eaten. I'm only halfway eaten. But um, in some versions, they skip this part and just kind of get put him out of his misery quickly. There's a lot to say about this story as far as arrogance. It's kind of the main message I pull out of it because after every single escape from something that wants to eat him he does his classic run 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 as fast as you can you can't catch me I'm the gingerbread man so not only is my life a higher priority than everybody else's but also I'm faster and better than any of you and uh, that's, that's pretty tough talk from somebody who was born just a few minutes ago to already think he's smarter faster better than everyone around him Obviously not smarter than Mr. Fox, because he takes care of that right away. Um, another th message that I've read doing, doing more research for this one is that some people see this as kind of a how try as you might, you can never outrun your problems kind of story, or more literally, the inevitability of death and that you can't outrun death. 
which I can see that message coming through pretty clear here too. It's it's just, I guess, a more pessimistic message than I thought of from it. For me, the main thing I picked up was just the arrogance of this cookie that was literally not even born yesterday. But re-examining it from that perspective, I can definitely see the inevitability of death or inability to outrun your problems message here too. So there could be kind of a morality tale so far as taking responsibility and you can't just outrun everything you run into in life, which is also true that you are going to have some obstacles in, in life and you have to learn to overcome them because you cannot simply outrun them forever. And I think that that's a really productive message for this story too. Also, you have to keep in mind, like we did with the turnip, that some of these stories don't have a moral and don't have a message. They're just a fun story for the sake of a fun story. And uh, I think that was more the case with the turnip where, you know, it's not even clear who the bad guy is at the end of that one. Everybody's kind of a jerk. So the, the stories that don't have a moral are typically tend to be the ones with absolutely zero likable characters in them. This one, I think the message, whether it's either of the three messages I gave you is pretty clear and uh, that makes it a lot easier for me as far as analysis but for me part of what's most fun about this story is that it has its whole own uh, category in the ATU index it's just called fleeing food it's food that runs away from you and it's it expands all over the world kind of like Cinderella and I just think it's kind of funny to have this comment of a story where your food runs away from you the struggle for good food is going on for everybody I guess because we all have fairy tales where our food tries to run away maybe it's because we all know that if we were the food we would also try to run away so it's a pretty sympathetic story I don't know if you have any additional an analysis I would love to hear it and of course always please like subscribe and share this podcast with all of your friends. I do so much enjoy being able to go through these stories and, you know, kind of see what it tells us about the cultures that existed at the times that the stories were made. And uh, I just have a, a great time with it and just getting to review some of these stories that are more familiar and some that I've never, never heard before, like the turnip last week. So definitely tune in again. I would love to hear from you. And if not, I would love for you to hear from me and have a wonderful day.